1: This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host,
2: CP, the NY Fanatic.
1: All right, here we go. Special edition of Knicks Fan TV, CP, the franchise here, and today's guest, Needs no introduction, but uh, he is one of the greatest of all time when it comes to broadcasting. He's the voice of the NBA, the voice of the Knicks, a Hall of Famer being recently enshrined into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2021. Mike Breen joins Knicks Fan TV. Mike, CP the franchise here. Welcome to Knicks Fan TV.
2: Thanks, Casey. Nice to be on with you. Picked a good time to, to be on and talk about the Knicks, that's for sure.
1: Well yeah, absolutely. And and 9 games over 500 as we record this show. Um is this season coming as a surprise to you, Mike?
2: Um no, not really. I I, I thought you know, I thought they were going to be a good team. Um my thought was somewhere over 500, maybe 45, 46 wins. Although I, I must admit, I'm always on the optimistic side before every season, because, you know, certainly as, as Nick fans, we want to hope that it's going to be better than people expect. Um, And I knew Jalen Brunson was going to make a difference, but both team wise and Jalen Brunson wise, I didn't think it was going to be this much of a difference. Uh, It's been, um, it's been really fun to watch the team develop. And it's been really fun to watch him go from being part of a team to a guy who leads the team. Uh, So from that standpoint, maybe a little bit of a surprise.
1: Yeah, the, the Brunson impact has been enormous. Just, you know, providing the Knicks with uh, stabilizing force at the point guard position, being a guy that can be a, a 1A guy to Julius Randle, you know, to help Julius Randle out and being a, a, I look at Brunson as an elite shot creator, and we saw some of that in the playoffs when when he was leading without Luka Doncic, but to see him doing it full time has been phenomenal.
2: Yeah, he's um, he's a special player because the numbers don't tell his true value. I mean, you could tell when he first came in, he was trying to feel himself out. He's this, the new conquering hero that comes in. And, and I think Randall and Barrett were both looking at him like, okay, this guy's a good player. Let's, let's see what we got. And I think he not only blew them away with his talent, but blew them away in terms of what his agenda is. And his agenda is all about winning. Um, he's got this great, quiet leadership about him. He's got this toughness about him. Um, but what I think has surprised a lot is his ability to score. I mean, he's always been a good playmaker, smart player, uh, but he's got his good... His footwork is elite, elite. and for a guy to be able to score where he scores on a regular basis, uh, it's been really fun to watch.
1: Well, When we talk about Julius Randle, Mike, the relationship between the fans and the star player has always been a, like a side story, especially in New York sports. We see it all the time, but with Randle... I don't think I've ever seen it with a player who's been come in and out of the good graces of fans year by year. He he first gets here and, and it's on the heels of Katie and Kyrie choosing Brooklyn, and it's a tumultuous year on the Fisdale. The next year he's an All Star on the Thibodeau. Last year, twenty and nine statistically looking good, but a lot of in and outs with the fans, a lot of you know implosions, and then this year he's an All Star again. How, how have you seen it with Randall?
2: You know, Casey, I think that's um, that's what I admire most about him is his ability to look in the mirror and say, OK, I need to do things better. You know, for example, you mentioned the first year he was um, I- I'm not going to say he was bad his first year, but he struggled because he had to be the guy and he just didn't play good, efficient basketball. And he knew that after that year that he had to do something different. So he came back like gangbusters and had, in my opinion, one of the great single seasons in franchise history. So now you think, okay, everything's great. He gets the new contract. And last year was a struggle, as you pointed out. His numbers, most players would give anything for those numbers. But again, he wasn't efficient. He wasn't a strong leader. Uh, He had that bad relationship with the fans. And he let the negativity get to him and affect his performance. And what does he do? He goes right back and looks in the mirror again and says, hey, listen, I've got to straighten something out. Uh, I've got to be better. And he's come back. And he's also sacrificed because he knows that Jalen Brunson is a big part of what the Knicks are doing. So um, I I give him so much credit, so much respect, because he's not afraid to say, okay, I have to be better. And uh, this season, he's been phenomenal.
1: No no question about it. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, we watched this Celtics game last night, and Quickly, who who you and I agree deserves to be in that six-man-of-the-year conversation, he's going up against Malcolm Brogdon, who many think will be the favorite for that award. And I just saw, Quickly's been having a great year, but I saw last night in Emmanuel Quickly, who it just seems like he he just rose to the occasion, playing against the number one seed in the East, playing against a guy who he wants to be in that same conversation with, and quickly, he's just been dynamic both offensively and defensively. What have you seen in, in quickly now in in year three?
2: You know, uh, I said this last night, Chase on the air. Um, his year, he's been he's been so terrific. But you can't measure what he does by the numbers. Um, you know, his numbers are really good, but it's the impact he has just by his spirit. He comes in with 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 such energy. Um, at both ends of the floor, that he raises the energy. He's one of those players that his spirit is contagious. Now you add to the fact that, that he can make things happen at both ends of the floor. And we knew he could be, uh, had that dynamic way about him offensively, but it's the defensive end that has blown me away how much improved he is defensively. He studies film. Um, he talks so much about defense with everybody. So um, I think the combination even though his numbers might not be as good as some of the other six-man-of-the-year candidates. I think the combination of his offensive and defense and, again, the impact he has on winning every single night, um, I, I think that puts him in the category of, of a legitimate contender. And I do think, and, and Casey, uh, Tom Thibodeau said this last night, prior to going to the nine-man rotation, he wasn't playing huge minutes. Now he goes to the nine-man rotation. Now he's playing big minutes. And some players just need more time uh, to get themselves in rhythm. And once he's gone to the nine-man rotation, that turns his season
1: around. No question about it. And now you have the acquisition of Josh Hart, who I look at he and quickly in that backcourt. What they can do both defensively, offensively, getting rebounds, getting out in transition, I think that gives the Knicks a nice look coming off the bench. What's been your impressions of Josh Hart now six games into the season?
2: Say the same thing about him that I said about quickly. The way he plays is contagious. It filters down. If you're out there on the floor with him and you see how hard he's playing, see the energy he plays with, um, it makes you want to play harder. And he's just, his mindset, his team-first attitude, um, I said this again uh, on the telecast, that I think if you put him out on the floor with Ewing and Oakley and Starks and Mason, he would fit perfectly with the 90s thing. Um, He seems like... That's who he could be a part of as well. He's one of those players that he could have played in every, every era. And it's not about just scoring what he does. Uh, he made two huge steals when the Celtics were trying to come back in the fourth quarter of the Celtic game that, uh, that really turned any momentum the Celtics had back on the Knicks side. It's those kind of plays, one or two plays in the fourth quarter, that makes him, he's the guy that Tom Thibodeau trusts in the fourth quarter uh, down the stretch of close games.
1: Yeah, and and as you see, both of those guys locking major minutes in closing time in in the fourth quarter, and we're we're talking to the legend that is Mike Breen, Mike Coach Tom Thibodeau. He's a coach who I the the opinions on him are so polarizing amongst his fan base. Every year, it's it's so up and down, game by game, it's up and down in terms of how fans feel about him. You're right there. You have a direct vantage point to to that Nick Bench. What do you? What's one thing that that? You know, fans maybe aren't seeing what with, with Tibbs at that, that you see night in, night out?
2: Well, first off, uh, the players have so much respect for him because they know the amount of time he puts in. When players see the coach is doing everything possible to prepare them for that particular opponent that night, there's a real respect factor. Um, mm-hmm. And does he get on them? Absolutely. You see him during the game, he seems crazy sometimes. But if you notice, Case, when he talks about the team after the game or his pregame stuff, he never singles out guys and say, oh, he has to be ba-. He's always talking positive about them in the media. Now, he might not always feel that way about a player. He might be mad at a player, but you won't hear him say that publicly. And players really appreciate that, that he's not throwing them under the bus in the, in the media. He's not uh, talking about them negatively, even though in practice he's getting on them, even though in the huddles he's getting on them. I mean, he gets on them during the games. There's no question that a guy... Commits a, a defensive error or miscommunication. You can see how angry he is. But because he's so prepared and because he cares so much about winning, um, there's that real respect factor. The other thing, and when I tell people this, they don't understand, the guy is really funny, and he's mm-hmm. got a great sense of humor. And, you know, we don't see that. But in practice, he has fun with him before practice, after practice. Um, so he's, he tries to get that personal relationship. Listen, he's, he's an old-school coach. There's no doubt about it. But to say that he's set in his ways is wrong. I mean, he, he, he changes all the time. He was not a big three-point proponent early. Now right. he's the big part. He knows that for them to be successful. And, again, people talk about him being this, this defensive coach. Well, the Knicks are seventh in the NBA the entire league. Right. Um, so, you know, hey, that, that's part of being a fan, and, and I get it. Um, I remember, and I'm, you know I'm a Met fan. Remember last year hearing some criticism of Buck Showalter, who did amazing job. I remember Joe Torre; leading the Yankees to to uh, to World Series, and the fans are complaining about certain things he does. So, no matter how great you are, uh, fans will find something to complain about. But that just shows the passion of fans. They just, you know, they're so into their team that uh, they want to they want to comment on everything.
1: No question. And as you mentioned, the fans. Where the Knicks are right now, nine games over five hundred. They're in. They're in the fifth seed now. You have a chance at four as well. This could be a special season, Mike. And as someone who who covers the, this team on a nightly basis, and I hear from the fans, their reactions. There's an optimism there. There's an enthusiasm there. Are you feeling that in MSG at this at this moment at this time? They're like, do you do you feel that energy kind of ratcheted up?
2: Absolutely, and you know, I I I come at it in two different ways. I, listen, I've been a been a Nick fan since I was seven years old, so I know what it's like to be a Nick fan. Now, I also, as a broadcaster, I have to come at it from a different way. And you know, whether you're a fan or you're a broadcaster of a team, you want that team to do well. And let's face it, Nick fans, they are, we are so hungry. Um, for a for a good team, that any bit of success and we get fired up. Sometimes too fired up, and, and you lose perspective on it. But this year's this year's different. Uh, two years ago, it came out of nowhere. They played great, uh, and it was fun. And this year's the same thing. It's just so much fun, and you have to enjoy the success while it happens in the regular season. But there's just something different about this team, um, and it's it's how well connected they are. And again, how well they're organized on the court, uh, and that's where the Jalen Brunson has made such a difference that they're organized. They just you just feel at the end of the game that they're organized, and and that's going to come. Uh, really, the importance of that's going to come in the playoffs. So hopefully yeah. they make it into the playoffs. It looks like they're going to uh, be in some sort of postseason. In the way they're playing, uh, there's a real good shot of being in the top six. Um, but I think that's that's one of the real differences this year because. Fans not only they're enjoying the success, but you look at the the age of the roster, and there's hope for the future as well. And for a fan base, um, a fun season with a young team—it doesn't get a lot better than that.
1: No question about it. Uh, you've been covering this team for over 30 years now, Mike. Is there a favorite team that that you've you've covered over the years, whether on radio or TV? Is, is there a favorite season that you had?
2: Well, I I think. You know, you go back to the to the '93 '94 team that went to the finals. For me, I was a, a young broadcaster. It was only the second year. I was I was doing Knicks radio, and um, that's a team that that captured the city like I've never seen uh, because you know they were so close to winning a title, one game away from winning a title. But it wasn't just the fact that they were successful; it's the way they played. They played so hard every night. Um, they played so tough defensively, and they played together. They played for each other. And that's why it makes this team this year, I think, uh, why the fans have fallen in love with them so quickly. Now, they, they don't have the talent of that team. They you know, don't have a star as much as, as Patrick Ewing was, although Julius Randle is playing that way once again. Um, but I think that's what the, the fans love about this team, is how hard they play and how they play for each other.
1: When you mentioned that 94 Finals, I interviewed Derek Harper and, and talked about how he felt after that and, and being in that Nick Locker room and hearing the Houston players celebrating on the other side. I spoke to John Starks about what he would have done differently, what he would tell himself back in that time. And, and he talked about, you know, just, just slowing down and, and staying in the moment. How, how did you react to that loss? You know, how long did it take for you to for you to get over that sting of the 94 it's, Finals?
2: It's interesting case you bring that up because I remember – Uh, Being in the Houston airport the next day, going to my flight home, I just felt so down um, because the opportunity was there. But at the same time, I'm thinking, boy, I just saw one of the great seasons in Nick's history. Now, certainly it didn't win the title. um, And obviously that's the goal for every team every year is to win. But you have to be able to enjoy and respect and have great memories of seasons that may not result in a title. but it was a team that you so enjoyed watching and a team that you so enjoyed rooting for. And the interesting thing, Casey, you mentioned Derek Harper. Uh, I remember talking to Derek Harper in the locker room after game seven. And I, I can't remember another pro athlete being able to put into perspective what that year meant after such a disheartening loss as he did. Um, because he, he was crushed as much as anybody. But he also knew it was a special season. And I remember him able to verbalize that um, on how this year meant so much to him and his teammates meant so much to him. He would have been the finals MVP, I think, yeah. if it, that, that uh, series. Uh, but he understood, yeah, he, he was crushed and devastated. But at the same time, he knew they had, they had accomplished an amazing season.
1: Yeah, one one of my favorite Knicks for sure. I I certainly enjoyed Harper's career and spoke highly of Jalen Brunson, having covered him with the Dallas Mavericks as well. And once again, we're speaking to the legend, Mike Breen. And Mike, bang is is your signature catchphrase for sure. We have a question from one of our channel members, Ty Morris. What was your favorite catchphrase from some of your favorite announcers growing up as a kid and as a fan?
2: Well, the first one's obvious. Um, you know, as a Nick fan growing up, it doesn't get any better than Marv Howard. Um, yeah. You know, Marv's he was and still is the greatest basketball play-by-play voice of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was nothing like the big moment when Marv was doing a game. And just the one-syllable word, yes, uh, the way he punctuated it. And the, the beauty of Marv's, yes, he had different forms of yes. You know, he... <laughs> Early, yes, just kind of yes, you know. <laughs> uh, and then as the game got more, I'd be like yes, it's, it's, and then he had the, the fourth quarter game winner, yes, that he just mm-hmm. punched it like no one else could. Uh, so he was one of them. Um, Dick Enberg was a really uh, a favorite of mine growing up, who I admired and respected both as a man and as a and as a broadcaster. And his was a little oh my, and in, in the yeah. big moment. Uh, kind of expressed his just amazement and joy of what he was watching. Um, so for me as a kid, those those were the two uh, two that I really liked.
1: You looked at Marv Albert as kind of the measuring stick in the industry. Well, what did he teach you? What was your biggest uh, lesson for Marv Albert?
2: Well, you know, just from watching him and the first few years um, being on the broadcast crew, I was doing radio, he was TV, then I became his backup for a while. What, what I, I loved about him was that there was like a crescendo to his broadcasts. It was a slow build. Like he wouldn't be going crazy in the first quarter. He saved that for when it meant something. So when Marv's voice went way up, you knew it was a special moment. He saved it for the right time. He just knew uh, his excitement level, his intensity level. He knew the exact time to use it. And, and that's something I took from him. And the other thing too, I, I think Marv was one of the first broadcasters to kind of dip, into the analysis part. Like he would talk about what he thought about what was going right, not just make the the play calling. And I always felt that that raised the level of his analysts. So he would bring up an analytical point and his analysts would have to advance that and make it even better. And there weren't a lot of um, play-by-play broadcasters who back then would kind of discuss some analysis and give their thoughts about that. And he did that. And I think he was one of the very first to do that. And not only was it informative, but like I said, I felt it made his analyst better as well.
1: Interesting indeed. And when you're, when you're calling some of these signature games, these iconic games in the finals or big moments in the playoffs, how do you know when to let the moment tell the story on TV and when to provide you know your color your commentary on, on top of that you
2: know casey that's that's a great question and quite honestly it just comes with, with with experience um i'm sure when i first started doing games i did not do a good job on on uh figuring out when to talk and when to lay out let the crowd take over um and it's a trial and error thing and you get better at it you get more confident comfortable at it um i've always felt that if if the crowd is just going crazy and it's a big part of it, um, that should be a big part of the soundtrack of the moment. And I've always felt in those big moments, when the crowd's going crazy, uh, the broadcaster should be as concise as possible. You know, that's why like Marv's yes, uh, me using bang, they're, they're one syllable words. And, you know, the human voice is not made to be way up here for long stretches. Of time, so uh, to me, the big moment, the more concise the call should be, and don't be afraid to let the crowd be a part of the soundtrack of what it's a special play or a special moment
1: how do you How do you measure like at, at the end of a day, at the end of a night, what is it what is the measuring stick for you to say this was a good this was a good broadcast. I did well tonight, or I should have done a little bit better here. like like what is what is that that um that
2: measuring stick that that you use? Um, again, another really good question, Casey, I, I think, um, uh, first off, some of it's just a, a, an innate feeling, you know, okay, that one, that was a good one, but a big part of it in TV is, does everybody come together? Because it's not just the play-by-play announcer. It's not just Clyde, um, as the analyst, it's everybody involved. It's, uh, Rebecca Harlow with us on sideline. But as just as important is everybody in the truck. Um, our producer for Nick Telecast is Spencer Julian. The director is Howie Singer. Uh, they're two of the best in the business. They're so prepared. And it's when we're all in sync and you can tell, you know, basketball is a team sport. Well, broadcasting basketball is a team sport as well. And when everybody's operating, you know, we get the right replays. The perfect graphics go in. Uh, when I'm talking about a player in a big moment, and there, all of a sudden, you see the emotion of a player who might be crying at the end of a a, a great moment. All that kind of stuff comes into play, and uh, when it all comes together, you feel that way. And you know, like listen, um, I make mistakes every single telecast. Every single there's no such thing as a perfect telecast. So you can't let that bother you. You just have to make sure. And this is what I try and do every broadcast. I want the the viewer to feel that I'm prepared, that I know what I'm talking about. I know the teams, I know the players. I want the viewer also to feel like I'm really into it. Like, wow, this guy, he really loves basketball. Uh, I want that to come across. And then the other thing is to say that you're working with your partner well and to have the, the, the viewers say, boy, those two announcers seem like they really get along, they really like each other. And I think if you accomplish those things and you work together as a team with the production crew, and then I think he'd done a good job.
1: Once again, we're talking to the legend, Mike Breen, the voice of the NBA, the voice of the Knicks, and Hall of Fame of the Kirk Gowdy Media Award recipient in 2021. Mike, when you have these responsibilities, you have to call the Knicks games at, at MSG then might have to fly out to, to Phoenix and maybe it's covering, you know, Kevin Durant's debut with, with the Suns. And then it's on to the NBA Finals. And maybe you're at the Crypto.com Arena. You run into to an icon like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Is it hard to stay present in, in the moment when you have all these things? And by the way, you have to be a dad when you get home, a husband when you get home. But is it hard to stay in the moment when you, when you have all these things going on?
2: You know, not really, Casey, because it's, it's your job. It's your occupation. And you have a responsibility to to the viewers. You have a responsibility to employer to be prepared and, and go and do your job. And quite frankly, it's, it's not hard because I, I can't even begin to express to you how much I love what I do um, and how much I love the game. Since I, I was a little boy, I became in love with the game of basketball. And I think it's um, the team aspect of the sport is what always just it just captured me from an early part to be able to work together with four others on the court and make something special happen. Um, that's what has been a love affair my whole life with the game of basketball. So from that standpoint, it's easy. Sometimes I have to pinch myself that I I'm able to do this for a living for this long. I'm able to meet and learn from, from some of the greatest coaches and greatest players that have ever played. Um, and I've become friends with so many people and that's, for me, that's the best part of the whole thing—is is the relationships and the lifetime friendships you make. But um, again, it's a good question. But from that standpoint, no, it's 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 a love affair I have with my job and with the sport, and it's I always consider it a privilege and an honor to call NBA basketball games.
1: Well, you do you do a fantastic job at it, and you mentioned that that you had to pinch yourself because in in previous interviews you had talked about how in coming up in Fordham. You had you thought, yeah, I, I want to be the voice of the Knicks one day. And and you would talk about, the recollect those conversations you would have with Michael Kay, who's the voice of the Yankees. And Kay might say, yeah, you know, I, I want to cover the Yankees. But you, you never really saw past that point. And, and now you, you flash back, you, you, you flash the present day, you are the voice of the Knicks. You are the voice of the NBA. Millions of people around the world are, are listening to you tell that story. You are in the Basketball Broadcast Hall of Fame. You, you're calling the Knicks games with your idol. Clyde Frazier so there's a quote from a movie uh broadcast news it says uh what do you do when your life exceeds your dreams so how do you respond to that
2: um by the way I love that movie and I love that quote and I've when I've heard and I I can't remember the last time I saw it probably a few years ago i the the that particular quote I thought of and I feel that way it's like it's it's uh I still sit down most nights and thinking I'm sitting courtside at Madison Square Garden, calling games for the team that I grew up loving as a kid. Um, I've been blessed beyond what I deserve, and that's why I, I, I'll never stop appreciating where I am. Um, because it's you know you go to work every day, you can't wait to get to work, and um, it's it's sometimes it is hard to believe. Back in those Fordham days, with Michael Kay and I used to talk. You know, we'd say, "Oh, I want to do this," but you never really believe that it's going to happen. And then when it when it finally does, it's um, it's surreal at times. It really is, Casey.
1: So, so many names coming out of that university, and and looking at you and Kay living out your dreams, it, it's truly remarkable. for For a kid out there that's uh, looking to to pursue a, a broadcast career, uh, what what is you know three keys that that you would give them?
2: Well, I think um, number one is. And this is in any job, but, you know, s- talking specifically about broadcasting, preparation is the key to everything. Um, if, if you're prepared, if you know the subject matter, um, if you really know what you're talking about, it's easy to talk about. And um, if you're not and you go on the air and there's that hesitancy, that's when you get yourself in trouble. So, so that's number one. Um, and number two is you just need to get reps. Um, so if you go to, if you have a high school, uh, that has a radio station, if you go to college, you want to, uh, join the radio station or the TV station there and just get reps as, as, as much as you possibly can, like anything, you're just going to get better at it the more you do it. And if you don't get better at it, then it's, then it's probably not for you. Um, I tell this story all the time when I talk to college kids, my first job out of college was, uh, at a radio station in Poughkeepsie, New York. and I. Uh, I gave an audition tape to uh, the news director there and he listened to it and he hired me and I was fortunate. And it was from my uh, work that I had done at, at WFUV at Fordham. So I worked there for a year and after a year, um, I got an extra assignment and I went back and I listened to my audition tape. It was so bad. The audition tape, <laughs> I don't know how the guy hired me, um, but he did. I was fortunate that he did. He hired me because he really didn't have to pay me anything. but. Um, the improvement I made from one year when I first got out by being on the air five days a week was enormous. I went from being barely, uh, hireable to, okay, I think maybe I got a chance to be pretty good at this because I had those reps. So I think those two things, uh, when you go into something are are really important. And, uh, the third thing I always, I tell, um, young men and women who are in school still is to. To really learn the language um, and to learn to speak the language, get a good vocabulary, uh, have different ways to describe things. Um, I'm still working on that. I, I've always felt that I, I could get so much better at that and still do. Uh, but I wish I had that. Somebody tell me that earlier to really work on that. So those are just some of the things, Casey, I think that I would, I would tell young people who are interested
1: Excellent. And once again, we're talking to the legend, Mike Breen. Mike, just a couple rapid-fire ones. I know you're pressed for time, and we really appreciate the time. Uh, let's, let's fill fill in the blank here. At the end of the season, the Knicks will finish with the blank seed and face blank team in the first round. i
2: going to get you mad. I, I don't – I never do the prediction stuff. Okay, okay. Stay away from that, but I will say this. I, I mean, the way they're playing – um, whether they get in the top six or even if they get in the playing tournament, just by their style and by watching other coaches talk about them, nobody's going to want to play them.
1: Yeah, they're going to be a tough out for sure. Uh, a competitive, a competitive team, and hopefully they they have some success. And and who is your your pick for the MVP this year?
2: I'm I'm going to wait till the end because it's that close. Uh, I think uh, Jokic has been. I mean, what he's doing, and he kind of does it under the radar. Um, He's up there. I think Joel Embiid's up there. I think Giannis Cetetokounmpo is also right there. I I put Doncic there as well, and even Tatum, although the Knicks did a pretty good job on on hurting (laughs) Tatum. But there's so many spectacular players right now. But I would put Jokic, Embiid, and, and Giannis up there as right now the three favorites. But I, I want to see how their teams finish and how they finish. There's still, a, you know, a, um, a quarter of the season to go. Yeah. And sometimes I think we get into the debate on MVPs it too early, and it almost like puts this person in the driver's seat. Well, no, no, it's it's an 82-game season, and the tail end of the season sometimes is the most important. So to me, the player that brings their team down the stretch to the best possible place for the playoffs, that's the one that might get the edge.
1: Yeah, and as you said, there's a lot of parry there right now when you look out west, and we haven't seen what a Phoenix Suns team looks like with, with Kevin Durant and where Denver might finish. You look at the East Boston, only a half game up on, on the Bucks for first place, and where will the Knicks finish? So a lot of moving parts to, to finish the final 20 games or so of the season, but Mike, I definitely uh, appreciate the time uh, we wish you luck to, to finish off this season, and obviously we'll be looking and, and watching each game that you call. Thanks again for all that you've given us as, as a fan base and and as a generation of basketball fans, you know, truly, truly an icon of, of this generation. So thank, thank you for all that you've done for us.
2: A pleasure being with you. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, and I love how much you love the game. I love how much you love the Knicks. So keep that up because you're a great voice for the fans. Thank you very much.